This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Patreon is a monthly subscription that you can cancel anytime. And PayPal is a one-time donation. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. And you can find us on our YouTube channel with the same name. And you can start watching the episodes as they're released. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I'm Rani Shatah. And this is The Beirut Banyan. Had headphones I brought uh, uh, way before when we had money. <laughs> Just a few months ago. <laughs> a few months ago, exactly. Actually, you know what? That's a good way to start. I'm glad you bring up the headgear. Before we right. get into anything else, you look good, my friend. Thank now, you, Ronnie. And now you said it before we started recording that you look maybe a little bit more like a DJ than a researcher. Yeah. Both require a lot of skill. Maybe the DJ is a little harder in certain ways. I don't know. You just look, you look fantastic. That's all that matters. You're Thank making you, me right? up my game. Now I, you know, now I have real competition. Bring some color to the headphones. Exactly. I need to get out of black and black. I should go with yeah. some more red. Yes. You're very kind to stay up late. Uh, you're even kinder to do this at AUB late at night. Um, and I'm, I'm really thrilled. We, we spoke just in January, and I know it's just a few months ago, five, six months ago, but so much has changed in the last five to six months that I think it's time we caught up a bit. And I really appreciated your perspective back in January, because in a way you were kind of hinting at certain things that had to be done in the near term, and as far as I know, those things never happened. And I just want to pick it up on where we left off in January, and then we can kind of get up to date with everything that's happening. And I know now, if you want to have a fluid conversation, you might need to do these episodes every day, because things are changing so quickly, and not necessarily for the better. But let's start off where we left off, with the need to organize. And we spent a healthy, maybe 20-30 minutes back in January on that particular issue, the need to organize. And you were forecasting in a way a, that the fluidity was healthy for the moment, but that long term, you needed some structure. And as far as I know, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, there's been no organizing, no structure, at least in the way we talked about it back in January. Taking this people power, if you will, and turning it into real politics, the way we understand it. Do you see that still as a huge component that's missing or are we beyond that now in other words that ship has sailed and now there's other concerns that are probably or, or perhaps more pressing than organization itself so just just your own reflection on that note the need to organize and then where we are today no i think uh, it's a good start uh, and i don't uh, see it actually changing a lot from where we were discussing this last January. Although I know there are attempts to uh, 
bring in the different uh, revolutionary groups or groups of the uprising uh, together in different uh, fronts. So uh, we, we, we notice now there are a couple or maybe more of uh, groupings or um, an alliance being built between different uh, uh, uprising groups or uh, movements or uh, grassroots uh, movements as well. So this is happening, but it's taking a lot of time. And I th and I think uh, and and I don't want to sound uh, a lot of uh, skeptical among my my friends and uh, comrades in the uprising groups uh, because I, I appreciate all the work and everything and the activism and the spirit and everything they've been doing um, but I I notice there is a crisis um, among the uprising groups in terms of moving to the political goals and in terms of trying to achieve results as a political uh, movement. Um, similar to the crisis I see in government and among the political elite in Lebanon and their inability to do any um, solution or mm. to really tackle the current deep crisis we are in. Yeah. I think I think they're being paralyzed by what's happening. I see similarly crisis among the new political groups. Let's call them this way that emerge from the uprising in terms of trying to get into political results or outcomes. Hmm. I don't want to I don't want to sound like a strategist trying to lecture them. I think a lot of the political groups have a lot of tactics and strategies and ways of doing things. But my, my main critique here is about the increasingly focus on the means rather than the result. Can I, can I ask uh, you though, I'm just going to interrupt, what do you mean by that in particular, the means, as opposed to I mean, I mean, the means have become the objective in a way, rather than means to get to a certain goal. And the goals here are political, tangible results in taking oh. over. I see. In so, order to, so and that, the means are the movement. So, the, in other words, protesting or even the roadblocks. Exactly. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. Exactly. Protesting mm. the roadblocks, the group, you know, the organization, which are all great and fantastic. But sometimes I notice some of the groups, if not most of them, are increasingly looking inward at their own organization and their own, uh, you know, followers and. Uh, and uh, members and and this is fantastic of course because you need this organization to get to this level of political maturity mm -hmm. and to to and the idea is to become political in the sense to have your own program your own vision and and probably govern this is what you want to do i mean you're not doing this just for the sake of doing it in terms of protesting so this is what is still missing i guess in the work of the new political groups that have emerged from the uprising. But I don't want to be harsh because I'm a member of these groups informally or formally or mm -hmm. in discussion with them and I understand how difficult it is to break the current political structure in Lebanon. But, but this is a self-critique and a critique to what's been happening and uh, the, a call for, for a lot of those groups to come together and think of goals, to think of the need for results. And the critique here actually, Ronnie, is related to the inability to to attract uh, the crowd, the big crowd that we had in October. 
I mean, this is this is, it. It comes. My critique here is uh, coming from the inability of those political, the new political groups, uh, the uprising groups, the revolutionary groups, to attract the bigger crowd. Um, of course, I don't want to undermine the economic crisis and people's uh, uh, feel of and fear of the future and feel of a survival mode among themselves, among the families, and so on. And that would uh, uh, make them, you know, uh, think twice or shy from going to the streets because they want to care about the basics now. But still, it's a self-critique that we need to up the game in a way to show results in order to get those people to be back on the streets. Well, okay, I'm going to actually gauge your mind on two points here. And I'll, I'll get back to the protest movement because I think you just eloquently re-outlined what is missing from the discussion or from even from the from the movement itself. But before getting there, you mentioned something which I found quite interesting, that the regime is struggling too in its own way. And are, is, when you say maybe figuring things out, does that also mean what we've seen in the last 24 hours, that kind of hints at going back to October 16, where in other mm. words, the previous prime minister is brought back mm. in, that mm. you kind of have an, for better or worse, you have the protest thing, this October 17 moment kind of mm. shelved and mm. going back to politics as usual. Is that what you meant by struggling to figure things out? Or is it something else that they're actually, in a way, caught between their own existential issues and the future of the country? And in the background, the resignations and the IMF issues. So what did you mean by the regime? I was curious about that. I mean, I mean, the crisis is so, is so big, uh, is so deep. Um, that those uh, in power, the regime, the government, uh, um, are unable to uh, come up with any solution for it. Uh, mm. The pressures are, of course, uh, uh, indigenous uh, and internal and also external. I think they're, they're, they're getting it from a lot of, of the ends, and uh, whether from inside or outside. But but it's also a crisis of their own their own doing. You know, I think it's a crisis because of the corruption, because of elite capture, because of uh, ill management of state assets, and so on. I mean, we know the story. Uh, but what I'm, why I'm saying the regime is in in a big crisis, yeah. because they they've been uh, they do, they they don't have the actual tools as well. They don't have the right tools mm. to manage uh, or to address such deep crisis. They've been throughout the many years of governing. Um, before Taif or after Taif, so not to take the 30-year, uh, uh, you know, soundbite. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more critical than the 30-year thing. I think before Taif or after Taif, they've been uh, used to uh, just, you know, uh, uh, living on the brink of collapse, waiting for a moment, mostly a moment that would happen outside Lebanon, a regional moment. A, a global moment, if I can say, where they would benefit from it as, as elites, as political elites, elites, and uh, either reinvent themselves or do cosmetic changes like we did in 2008 in the Doha. Mm. So the 2008 mm. agreement was, was basically a cosmetic uh, change to the Taif agreement or cosmetic A bad nose job. It was quite bad, actually, because uh, it led to what it led uh, in, in later on in 2000, yeah. 
and 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 ten and 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 further because the last ten years have been uh, so significant in their negative impact on everything in, in Lebanon, whether yeah. in policy or the economy. But but how I see the regime is in 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 crisis. Uh, it's uh, it looks to into institutions that uh, into actually ways outside the, the current institutions. So the parliament is kind of uh, weakened, increasingly weakened. Uh, not the last one, but but for the last few terms, the parliament has been weakened. But particularly this time, um, uh, recently the parliament has been doing some exercise around doing the uh, you know the calculations and the accounting and our and, and looking into the losses but basically the parliament should be the mother of all institutions yeah. in terms of discussing sure. this huge uh, crisis we are in and the way out uh, the uh, cabinet is basically just a place to rubber stamp whatever has been agreed by the big three or four now who are, who are governing it and ruling it uh, you you get the security, the the general security, you get the Amn al you get the other, uh, to actually be part of the physical, financial, and economic policy. This is, I've never seen this before, particularly <laughs> in, in uh, let's say, quasi-democracies and democracies. Um, I mean, why the head of Amn al who whose job is to to do intelligence, look into the borders, and so on, is part of running uh, how the uh, currency uh, value should be. I mean, that's uh, that's. Uh, can I? And just, and, and, and yeah. again, bringing in the security is just a, a sign of weakness and a sign yeah. of the inability of the political class, also the regime in, in general, actually, of coming up with solutions. But but I want to add the last point, mm -hmm. which is the um, the 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 frequency of the um, attack on freedom of speech, um, yeah. on, on, on journalists, uh, on people who want to voice their dissent against those in power. We've been seeing a lot of cases recently, and it looks like part of the regime is turning into a police state. And again, this is a sign of weakness and a sign of the decline that we see among those in power. But okay, let's go with that. And I like that you referenced uh, regional chaos benefiting Lebanese players at home, rather than hurting, benefiting. So it's almost like a, a reverse of expectations here. But I'm, I'm curious about what kind of event they're waiting for. Because I'm going to, going to include the IMF negotiations as that mm. kind of waiting for something. Mm. Could be money, it could be a lifeline. But mm. from what I've seen is that, at least up until now, there's no bet on an IMF deal happening anytime soon. If it does happen, it may happen later, maybe. But it doesn't seem like it's really in the mix now. So that's off the table, or most probably off the table. Regional countries seem to be very, very disinterested in helping Lebanon. Whether it's uh, the usual suspects in the Gulf, or I'm going to maybe flip this on its head, even the countries that are usually heavily invested, and I could even include Iran here, that they're having difficulty paying uh, their their expenses in the way they do in Lebanon. So, so all countries are having that, they're, they're, they're not willing to pitch in, so to speak. So what are, what are the players waiting for in that sense? Doha was a tipping point for internal unrest. 
And yeah. May 2008 was a very, very bad recent stretch in terms of security issues and violence and the brink of war. Is that what you're talking about? That they're waiting for things to reach such a bad state that you're going to end up with something like Doha again? Or mm -hmm. only because maybe enough parties do not want to see Lebanon completely collapse? I'm curious about the what, what they're betting on exactly, at least in that regional uh, yeah. relationship. I, you know, this is a very good point. Um, they're, they're betting first on the elections in the U.S. So first they want to see if who comes in, if it's Biden. Um, you know, you never know. There's still a few months, but if, if, uh, <laughs> that was if he wins. <laughs> that was by accident. That was by accident. The least, the least complimentary vote for Biden. <laughs> that was that was really well said. Yeah, there's still a few yeah. months. <laughs> so, but, the know, bar, they, the bar is so low. <laughs> well, that's true. It's I'm, true. I'm not, I'm not going to intervene in sure. US politics. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so, but sorry, I interrupted or, uh, you. <laughs> hoping they would. Uh be uh, reciprocating this. Yeah, right, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, a few more months. Yeah, a few more months. <laughs> so, you know, if, if I mean, if it's likely that he wins, uh, there would be, um, uh, not not in, in the next day, I guess, but uh, in, in a few months, maybe in 2021, uh, uh, a new foreign policy, let's say, or revisiting the current foreign policy, or adding um, uh, his own flavor with the Obama doctrine, uh, with some of whatever Trump has been doing, uh, uh, some of it uh, uh, worked, some of it was trial and error in the last few years. So I think there will be something new in terms of foreign policy. And, and I don't know what would be this foreign policy in terms of the engagement with Iran, uh, engagement in, with Syria, engagement with uh, the Russians around Syria and in Syria. But are they waiting for so, countries to politically get involved? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so what I would, what I see it here, hmm. there will be uh, a new, let's say, um, um, chapter of negotiation between um, Russians and and the Americans when it comes to Syria. Uh, how they're, hmm. they're going to follow on the Caesar's Act and what would be the future of Assad and so on. And of course, this would look into as well the role of Iran throughout, from Tehran to Baghdad to Damascus to Beirut. Hmm. So all of these will become inter, interlinked in some way. I mean, I'm not, I'm not insinuating in any way that the Lebanon crisis is related to those regional sure. dynamics, yeah. although, although it has some link to, the, to, this, to these hmm. regional dynamics, but it's by and large is a domestic failure of policies and practices and lousy politicians for many years we had. So, but still, those politicians in Lebanon want to keep you know, kicking the can until there is some kind of a major change in these international and regional geopolitics that they would try to, you know, get something out of it. And this something out of it could be either bringing back uh, 16 October, we're rewinding into 16 October, or a, a model similar to that 16 October, to what was actually before 17 October. So this is. Uh, but again, um, I, I'm, I'm not sure this is a wise, uh, uh, wise strategy because I'm, 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 I'm not sure the country and society 
might be able to last until 2021. Sure. Um, this is, um, in many ways, an attempt to, uh, you know, try here and there to uh, calm down uh, communities in Lebanon, the, the people actually from not taking to the streets, whether through the police action, through this um, heavy hand on journalists and activists, or through their own political groups through controlling their own communities as well, you know? I mean, what we've seen in the early first week of June where members of political parties like Amal, like Hezbollah, actually they've controlled their own community from going into the streets. Yeah. Um, these are uh, signs that we need to uh, look into that uh, some of those in power want to wait for this regional moment where they might actually uh, reinvent themselves and reinvent the system. With um, with the real risk that no one might care. I mean, there's a there's a real problem in that. At least in 2008, you had players ready to sort of step in. Now yeah. I don't. I can't imagine that, or it's hard. It's harder to imagine that sort of this uh, eagerness to, you know, play a role. But maybe that's yeah. maybe because the expectations have reached such a low stage now that even the usual suspects don't really want anything to do with it. Yeah. And, that, and that's a risk of Lebanon completely collapsing in the process. And it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it's a very, uh, you know, uh, possible risk that yeah. we might fall into uh, a, a total meltdown. Yeah. Of services, of the economy collapsing fully, of uh, security even, unrest here and there. Uh, skirmishes and so on and so forth. So would that call for uh, regional international intervention in a way or another? I'm not sure. I yeah. am, I'm, yeah. my, my, my guess this would um, mostly be around the humanitarian support for Lebanese not to fall into uh, total misery and hunger. Right. And maybe, and maybe some support to the army and the police in order to maintain uh, a, a, a minimum standard of uh, law and order. Uh, sadly, we are in a very, very bad and tough uh, uh, moment uh, in, in Lebanon. It's, uh, and I don't see, and I don't see, waiting for this regional and global geopolitical changes, whatever it would look like in 2021, as a wise and responsible way. We have to wake up and deal with our own issues and our own problems, and really uh, find the. Uh, 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 solutions for them that actually emerge from our own way of, of solving our problems, actually from getting people who went to the streets, everyone around a, a table, virtual table it could be, just, just to actually those people to, 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 uh, to give their input. I mean, something, uh, I'm, I don't want to divert it to something else, but the best thing about this revolution or uprising that we got to know beautiful people uh, in Lebanon or Lebanese who live abroad, you know, they've been contributing without, uh, a, a, you know, any uh, interest in recognition or financial reward or any other reward. Things we didn't see in Lebanon throughout the last, you know, decades of maybe we've seen them, maybe they were there, but they were not given the opportunity. But the the openness of this uprising, uh, its ability to provide opportunity for everyone in economics in in social issues around you know, community, around political uh, 
uh, debates that we had, into looking into the constitution, lawyers, and so on and so forth. We have a very vibrant society in Lebanon, or Lebanese were abroad, and we are just sidelining it with lousy policies and lousy decisions and actions by, by, by those in power. And this is what we need to wake up and say, let's bring in those assets and make something. And, and, and you know, many of those were guests in your show. Many of those people that I'm, I'm talking about were actually guests in, 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 in the show you make, and uh, uh, whether in economics or law or constitution or any other area. Haram. Yani, this country is just disintegrating. I, I mean, it sounds so negative to agree, but it's the truth. And I, I, I will say it, yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it any differently than that. That it is a very disappointing moment that we're going through. And you said it quite well, that, you know, I'm actually glad you diverted it to that section about where we, where we left off, not, not in January, but in October, that, that euphoria, and then the disillusionment with many things since. And I, all the people that you're referencing, all the people that are doing this pro bono, they don't have any anything to benefit directly from putting all their energy and trying to build something better. Endless conversations around that issue, that the disconnect seems to get worse rather than it's almost like you have such a talented pool of people that are competent and ready, and then you have the the people refusing to budge that seem to be the ultimate obstacle, and they're they're so well entrenched. Now, in that schism between the aspirations of decent people, whether they're the average citizen on the street, whether they're people in, in academia or think tanks, wherever, all these people that you and I are referring to, and I think we see eye to eye on this, getting them, getting their aspirations into power. Mm. What is the stumbling block from the protest movement and transitioning their pain their anger, their suffering, into authority. And I ask you, knowing that elections are not happening, so it's not like election, it's not like you have something that you can just point at and say, we just need to focus on this and get into power. It's not that. And that the regime is so unwilling to reform because it would have been a blessing had the protest movement been able to just accomplish that reform. That would have been a huge step yeah. one in the long journey, that players are now held to account in some way, and it doesn't even matter who they are. The fact is there are people in authority that have to be careful in how they operate. That didn't happen. So what is no. the stumbling block, or what are the, what are the issues at hand? Nine months into a protest movement, a, uh, a whatever, a prime minister that emerged uh, mm. is probably on his way out, probably. He's going to be replaced, probably, by a previous prime minister, saying all of this probably, but a big mm. probably here. <laughs> I mean, very big probably. Or, or, or a new face uh, from the same circle. Could be a friend of a friend of the previous yeah. prime minister. It could be someone else. But the, yeah, you, exactly. It's, a, it's the usual crowd. Yeah. What is it about the, what, what is the disconnect exactly? If you, if you were able to dissect the reasons why protests in Lebanon do not amount to political change. What what are the core issues that are that are denying these people from reaching the gates of power? Yeah, well, it's, uh, 
this is a PhD thesis question, actually. Someone uh, has, to, has to do a PhD on this. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait four years and then ask that, that person. Four yeah. or five years. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if, you have, if I've told you about the metaphor of the octopus. No. You told me, before you get to the octopus, you told me a fantastic uh, metaphor. Uh, the reason why university politics are so petty is yeah. that, uh, oh, I keep forgetting it word for word. The stakes, the stakes are so, are so, so low. <laughs> the stakes are so low, exactly, yeah. That was a great quote. But no, I don't that's, know the octopus. That's Henry Kissinger. That's yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so when he spent some time in, in Harvard in between certain positions. It was harder, you know, you know, harder than foreign policy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's harder than negotiating with the Russians or... Right. Or bringing in, talking to half of Assad or others. It <laughs> it's tenure. <laughs> uh, but at least we can smile and laugh amid all of this. Sure, it's all good. We keep this good spirit. So, you know that I'm, I'm, uh, I also teach in, uh, I teach policy in the School of Public Health. So I tend to have some knowledge of biology and uh, basic health and so on. So uh -huh. that's my interest also in octopus. I, I see. I, I, these are great great um, uh, creatures you know octopus have eight uh, arms and um, each arm has some kind of an ability to uh, act on its own as well and mm. they coordinate very well but the coordination doesn't necessarily come from the head or the brain mm. uh, that's basic octopus uh, zoology <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you cut an arm of the of an octopus, it regenerates. Oh, really? So it regenerates, yeah. Huh. So because the arm has an ability, like a medium brain, I can put it simply, that it can actually regenerate, and arms can work also in, in different directions. Um, so the only way to, um, to kill an octopus is you need to actually go into uh, uh, flipping it inside out so you need actually going to, to the brain going to the brain to the center, but also yeah. you know go with inside out right you cannot just cut one piece and uh, because actually it will regenerate huh now what brings octopus to the Lebanese politics scene <laughs> well you that's know, it's a very nice characterization so are, are you saying that there is a uh, sort of a center that's not being affected the the the, the Lebanese uh, uh, politicians Actually, we have around eight, uh, eight big zaims in Lebanon, eight, 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 eight legs arms. of an oct yeah, octopus, eight, eight yeah. arms of the octopus. That's the and name. That's the name of this episode, by the way. That's yeah. like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm writing something on it. So that's oh, good. Cool. Okay. <laughs> and and you know, I mean, there there whether the among each of the communities has two or more, but actually there are around eight. Those who really mm -hmm. been been controlling. Um, the political scene in Lebanon for the many years, maybe the last 30 or 25 or 30 years, um, in different formation, uh, sometimes against each other, sometimes together, sometimes in alliance, but all, but always within the scene and controlling it. And the same, uh, you know, game. It's the same uh, playbook. They all play it. Are eight, and those eight work in tandem together. So you cannot just get rid of one. In order to feel that you've got, you've cut the octopus, the octopus needs to be seen, needs to be went inside into the head 
and flipped outside out. So you need to, what I'm trying to say here, and not insinuating, and I'll say it directly, you need to dismantle the whole system. You need to dismantle the whole thing, you know, uh, and build something new, uh, build something that actually um, uh, can bring the aspiration of the Lebanese people into into reality. But you know what? And that's uh, and that's mm -hmm. what we couldn't we couldn't get in the uprising. We right. were hitting only at the arms here and there. Mm. Although we mentioned that this slogan of Kullun Yani Kullun was quite powerful, whether we can debate it or not, we can nuance it or not, it was powerful. Uh, but it didn't touch uh, uh, in actually hitting this uh, this octopus. And, gonna, and they run, yeah. they've been running the state and, and its assets and the economy like an octopus. That's that's the metaphor of the octopus. They, they, they have all these different arms and tentacles and they've been sucking the blood of everyone. This is such a good metaphor. You're, so you're writing a paper on this, on this analogy. Maybe, maybe an op-ed or something, op but we can, use it, we can use it in, the, in yeah. this episode. Of we, no, no, and, and once it's out, I'll link it to this episode as well, because it's, really, it's an interesting analogy, and I like the way you've kind of, you've showed that you can attack all the legs without killing the, the, the body, and mm. the body is, seems to be secure for the most part. Mm. But in that sense, I'm going to just, without naming names, it could just be literally positions, or it could be, could be, mm. In the abstract, is it is it simply that the protest movement did not reach Baabda, that it didn't reach the Speaker of Parliament, didn't reach didn't reach all areas that you would consider the whatever this thing the head of the octopus, yeah. or, or is I mean, it is it something different? Is it that the Parliament wasn't stormed, that uh, the Sarai was not sort of taken over? Yeah. I'm curious what what exactly was missing so that the brain of the octopus could uh, eventually cease. You, you needed to go into this um, system, into the sectarian, uh, consociational system that has been uh, protecting the, the corruption and the corrupt practices that we've seen for the last you know, many decades even in, in Lebanon. This is, this is the head of it. It's not a party or a group or a Zaim or someone. Actually, it's the system itself. So then that, in that case, where would they go? If I were a protester in October and they, that's the target. Have, yeah, they should have you know, uh, uh, gone to all of those uh, places. Um, whether it's the speaker, whether it's the Abda, whether it's the prime minister, or all other of those eight, mm -hmm. uh, eight, eight uh, arms of this, yeah. uh, and I can I can give them hints who are the, the eight, but uh, but they need to. I mean, it, it's not about only going there and and um, uh, having a, a sit in around their places or their palaces or the residence. It's about targeting those institutions. I mean, the way that yeah. they've been running the state and the economy and the public sector and that led to this major collapse and major theft that we, we, we have in Lebanon. This is what I meant. I mean, the, 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 um, the central bank is part of it uh, in many ways because the central bank has been trying to please everyone in this, uh, in this game, trying to please those those arms of the of the of those tentacles of the octopus. Okay, but so uh, yeah. what 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 I'm 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 saying here that it's about really targeting the different actors in this system, 
that uh, has been uh, has been controlling the 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 country and uh, and capturing the state and capturing the economy. But I, I like you said. I think I heard you right. Consociational confessional model is the the yeah. source. And yeah. that I mean the 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 consociational confessional model. In, in the way it's been practiced. To, right, right. Yeah. The yeah, corrupted because, version of it that whatever yeah, exactly. came up, Yeah. But, yeah. okay, let's say that that is still the, it's the all, I mean, there's nothing else. Let's say that is the source. One mm -hmm. has to go through it. And I just ask you, your, your assumptions as to why it, it did not happen. Now, my memory goes back to 2000, 2006, 2007. This is sort of the post-2005 protests on both sides. And then um, a very unpopular president who rides out his illegal extension of his term. And he, he's untouchable. And he's not untouchable because Lebanese don't want him there necessarily. He's untouchable because the system keeps him there. And it could be something very, I mean, I don't want to be too too naive here, but but... I will say that I think I think the patriarch was part of the reasons he stuck around. Now that yeah. says something that a, an entity in uh, in the mountains of Lebanon, let's say, yeah. is willing to preserve the palace in the east of yeah. Beirut, not yeah. for the sake of the betterment of Lebanon, not because yeah. he's doing a fantastic job and he should stay. Yeah. It's because it's the consociational power sharing thing, and therefore a very unpopular, perhaps. Uh, unpopular is being complimentary here, but a very a very difficult chapter in the presidential term of Lebanon's history mm. is preserved thanks to that. Mm. Mm. Are you saying in a way the same thing is happening? It's it may not be the same players, but it's the same institutions. That the yeah. governor of the central bank is shielded by things beyond his tenure, let's say, or beyond his politics or beyond his fiscal re-engineering, whatever he did, that mm. maybe the patriarch still has a say. Or for that matter, the presidency, Babda, is protected as a, not a presidential thing, it's a it's a religious site as well in that sense. Mm. Am I getting it right here that it's these yeah. are untouchable because the system deems them untouchable? Yeah, exactly. And, and uh... And uh, in in a way, the uh, those uh, protectors of of this of those institutions or of this regime um, are so afraid of touching touching it that um, they would be okay actually if it remains a ruin of a structure of a system of a state. You know, I mean, I mean, the the country has has the Perhaps the largest uh, uh, financial hole in, in, in compared to the GDP or to the uh, number of the population size in the world, actually. Yeah. yeah. And and yet we we want to keep those uh, who got us into this. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they're untouchables and they've been celebrated some way or another. This is insane. This is insane around the accountability and checks and balances that need to exist in the country, regardless of one's sect or background or religion or affiliation. 
And that's what got us into this, you know, what, what got us into this miserable state and this disintegration in Lebanon is the, 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 the fact that uh, many people were untouchable. They were not, uh, you know, put accountable. They were not checked on what they were doing because of this current sectarian and, and, and patronage regime that exists and that feeds into each other. And on the other so, end, the, the groups that are armed are also untouchable for, for armed yeah. reasons, not necessarily, it's as simple as there is a line here that cannot be crossed. Therefore, yeah. don't expect us to, to, to reform or to change. Yeah, exactly. But you know, a lot of un, a lot of untouchables that you end, you end actually without touching this octopus. So in that you case, only only uh, uh, nudging the octopus here and there. This has been the history of the protest movement um, for the past uh, eight or ten years. Yeah. Um, yeah. We only touch on uh, uh, the surface of matters with uh, limited ability to create any change in the system because the octopus is so powerful, it's so clever, it's so strong in, 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 in reinventing uh, itself or regenerating itself and we retreat every now and then without creating any change. Now what's happening now is so big, so major that the octopus is lost. <laughs> Going back to the octopus, it's kind of lost, but, but it's trying to reinvent itself. In, in a petty way, um, or waiting for this regional moment. And the petty way is, is, uh, mm. is re recreating, re-oiling the same modus operandi of those eight, uh, eight powerful chiefs in Lebanon. Uh, someone is distributing chicken and grain, another one is distributing money, another one is distributing bread, another one distributing uh, eggs, I don't know, I mean, they're, they're just... Uh, um, going into re-oiling their machine in this severe crisis we're in where you want and need and have to show leadership and responsibility yeah. those eight chief chieftains these all chiefs are, are going to the what they know best uh, uh, using a sectarian practice or discourse or uh, reinventing this sectarian machine that they used to have whether in the mountain or in Tripoli or in the south, or in Kesarwain. Unfortunately, it's the same dirty game that's being played, you know, uh, at the moment. Um, and they master it. They master it. And and those who went to the 17 October uprising, they 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 have different playbook. They just play with uh, uh, the big ideas, the changes that they dream of. Uh, they're clean. They're Maybe some of them were violent in terms of breaking some glasses here and there, but by and large, they're coming for a real and, and, and they were honest in the change they want. They can't play dirty games like those eight chiefs in, in Lebanon. I'm going to ask you a, a, a delicate question, and you say as much as you'd like about it. And I, I don't mean to put the burden on you particularly, but it's, I like the analogy. I like envisioning that octopus, and then I like the legs regenerating, so I'm going to go with this. But again, as much as you'd like to say, do you put the burden on the politicians unwilling to reform, or do you put the burden on the population unwilling to let go of this model? Because it seems like every opportunity to change this model has been sort of 
it's come and gone. Whether it's mass uprising that happens on occasion for whatever reason, and enough people show up at the same moment, at the same day, they reclaim Martyr's Square and say we want to move on. And mm. Lebanon does not move on. Um, mm. And I mean, it's we're in 2020 now. I mean, is it 10,000 lira to the dollar today? I mean, something around mm. there, starvation, lines for everything that you would not expect in Lebanon, it's happening. Mm. Mm. Yet the same population, given a chance, not, not blaming them, but I'm just curious on is it really at the end of the day? At the end of the day, there aren't enough Lebanese that see the problem this way, that they see it as something different than the octopus, and that the people that envision the octopus, or at least are putting the onus on the brain of the octopus, the system, are they in the minority, or perhaps they're not able to deliver that message properly? Because small population, small country, yet as you said biggest ditch in the world biggest mm. hole and doesn't doesn't add up mm. so I'm, I'm curious if if it's is it the strength of the politicians or is it mm. the weakness of the not maybe not weakness the disconnect in the population yeah. seeing that this is the problem itself yeah i think it's it's both mm. Uh, mm. Uh, i don't want to put the blame on people although I've been asking myself and talking to friends and colleagues about what's happening. I mean, why people are not um, back on the streets? Um, what's the reason? I mean, trying to understand the psychology of the crowd. Why did it just go back? I mean, this is by 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 any standard. By any standard, I mean this is immense. What's happening in Lebanon? Mm -hmm. You just have your your income, your assets, everything you have yeah. just evaporated. You yeah. know. You, you you wake up and you're worth uh, peanuts. Uh, and why people are not taking it to the streets again? I mean, just going out. Uh, what's this ability to try to adapt? And one explanation is survival. So people are afraid. They're really afraid. And those politicians and groups, political groups, play it very smart in terms of showing that they protect them. Whatever the crisis is, whether it's a, an attack from an enemy, whether it's the, the other sectarian group that's trying to come to us, uh, whether it's the, uh, some terrorist organization is trying to take uh, uh, um, our women, I'm, I'm translating it from, from Arabic, so maybe it's not the best that's, translation. That's, it works, it works. <laughs> yeah. And... and uh, and, uh, and now it's hunger. It's always the narrative around protecting our community and protecting the ability of those chiefs to protect. Very tribal, very tribal in, in, in nature. It's, it's content is very tribal that there is a chief and the chief is the only one who can protect you, can protect us as a community. So we have to maintain uh, our our or you know allegiance and connection and be part of uh, this uh, 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 the, the the chief or whatever the group is uh, and at this moment people are feeling this they're so afraid people are so anxious that they want to uh, you know uh, cling themselves or attach themselves to anything that keeps them safe whether it's a, 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 a 
bread, uh, loaf of bread, or it's uh, 100,000 liras, which is worth nothing now, uh, or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. So this is what's happening. And we cannot blame them for not going against them. But there is a very visible, although not significant yet, uh, uh, fractures among uh, in every society and every community in Lebanon. Even those where political groups are so powerful in terms of having a grip on the yeah. community, we're feeling it. People are talking. But that that but, that issue, the cracks within, is that part of the way forward? At least in the way you're describing it. I, that, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. this is what what you need to. Uh, uh, look at uh, this is what you need to build on, um, and build on in a in a open and democratic way. Mm. Build on for the next elections if it happens. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but in two years' time, if there is election, this is how you want to build your political capital as a, independent groups or revolutionary groups. You need to go to those and talk to them and walk with them and 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 deal with their anxieties and deal with their you know fears and tell them that you can be the 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 uh uh, uh I'm, I'm not finding the english the english word you can actually be replacing those that failed us um through their policies or actions or practices so even this e is the moment this is the moment and this is what 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 i'd like to call everyone in the revolutionary or uprising groups and those emerging political groups, it's time to go and talk to people everywhere, walk with them, sit with them, understand them, um, and and try to understand why they're not, uh, you know, going into the streets like we did in October. What's making them still think about their Zaim? And this is where you start the change. It's so, going to be long, long, long journey, but this is how you're going to do it. So in the best and of I'm certain, doing it myself. I'm yeah. talking to people. I'm going into people and listening to them and chatting with them and talking to them. And this is what everyone should do. But in the, in the best of circumstances, and if it's a grassroots uh, movement, that yes. we're, we, we have to wait years. Because I'm, I'm getting from you that there's two things. There's a needed fundamental change, which you described. And there's also a huge problem right now in that Lebanon is in an emergency state. So it's almost like there's no positive news, at least in the near term, that if there's going to be hope, and you said this before we started recording, that you don't see light at the end of the tunnel. But if we're going to see light one day, it may come later. It's not now. But this is a very, it's a very dark chapter, and we have to wait, unfortunately. For things to improve, that's a. I mean, I, I hope I got that right from you. That it's it, it's not a near term. There's no near term solution Absolutely. here. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's going to be a very long journey. Yeah. And that's that's why we need to um, keep our stamina and don't lose hope. We're we're depressed, of course. We're sad. We have anxieties. Um, we're human beings. Um, but we need to keep go going. I think we have a purpose, um, and we don't we don't want to just leave the country at the moment. I mean, we're yeah. we'll get offers to leave. Many of us, whatever remains of us uh, uh, from the middle class, this uh, uh, diminishing middle class in Lebanon, that I think it's over. It's evaporated actually with, with whatever happening now. But we need to keep going, and we need to keep this. 
purpose we have to get change in different ways and particularly through going into people and building these grassroots movement yeah. or grassroots mobilization that's the only way that's the only way uh, i know this may sound uh, done in a lot of these training but this is a real marathon for us and this is it's the stamina that counts here rather than just running it to get easy results we're not going to get easy results you're not going to dismantle a a, a a 50 year old system that exists in Lebanon overnight. It's going to take decades and, and, and maybe it's our children and grandchildren, hopefully, that are going to take the, the fruit of this. But we need to keep going. I couldn't say it better than that. Um, I know you're not a COVID-19 sort of, I know you're not on TV explaining COVID-19. I'm not going to ask you, even though your biology sort of moment was very, very, very seductive, I'm not going to get you too deep into COVID-19. But as a public health researcher, as somebody who's familiar with, let's say, uh, the inadequacies in Lebanon, in the health sector, I'm going to just gauge your mind on, on two things, whether or not this is more general, whether or not COVID-19 takes the burden in terms of ending the movement prematurely. And that's a sort of just forcing people to go home while things were very, very critical. Mm. Mm. And the other side of it is Lebanon, I mean, how many public health experts do you have in a country that sort of explain that the hazards are still there uh, it's not, there's no reason to go and celebrate yet. Stay away from these huge gatherings. And then mm. you have a health minister who's dancing, saying mm. we did it in, in the most reckless way in terms of COVID-19. Okay, yeah. he, good that he had a mask on, but it's not, it's not the message you want to send. So is that, is that part of it? In other words, people are forced to go home and in a way they did very early. Yeah. Because they, they didn't did. trust maybe what the state had in mind in terms of stages. They took it on themselves. So there's something there. But then at the end of the day, reform, if it's going to happen, it should happen in all sectors. And here you have a health minister, part of a new regime brought in earlier this year, mm. doing something that sends the wrong signal. So is that part yeah. of the octopus that, that people are able to, in a way, dance around those eight legs and and find ways of surviving they're not always there's no there's no immediate threat all the time when mm. things get very dire they retreat they hide in a way from the octopus mm. but they never are able to kind of get rid of it that they they live with it if that makes sense and they they laugh at it sometimes they complain mm. about it but they also know how to live with it in with the it. room yeah no absolutely you know the the of course, in the, the COVID-19, when the pandemic uh, was spread and the fear of outbreaks was all over the world, of course, everyone took the responsibility um, to, to uh, confine themselves at home. Um, and this is what, what we all did in, in Beirut, in Lebanon. Um, and that was a moment when the uprising was gaining momentum to really very, very you know, interesting levels yeah. of of mobilization, of uh, um, discussions around the future of Lebanon on different, in the economy, on society, on the constitution, and so on. And people were and protesting and protesting into February. It's not like people exactly. went, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly, but, but then there's a real risk that uh, people might catch the, uh, the virus and that would be catastrophic and no one was aware of what's happening all over the news. So COVID-19 yeah. very much came in um, as a gift to the, uh, to the government mm. and to the regime. Mm. So many regimes in the world, by the way, particularly yeah. the authoritarian ones. Yeah. Uh, some of them uh, managed to polish their images and their uh, around it. Others failed <laughs> miserably. Yeah. Uh, but but it was a gift to some of those regimes and some of those governments. And in Lebanon, it was. So and and as you put it so rightly, uh, people don't trust the government or the state too much in Lebanon. They just went on their own. And I know from the uprising groups, they were very responsible not to uh, not to call for any demonstration, fearing that yeah, there might be exactly. risk. I mean, yeah. I mean, and people were more responsible than anyone else. Yeah. But then it comes the use of the COVID-19 on attacking on liberty, on freedom of protesting, uh, even if you want to put all the protective measures. So it was used. Uh, time and again by the government to um, you know be be harsh on any uh, any potential for demonstration or protesting hmm. taking the 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 excuse of covid-19 and the measures of the uh, mobilization that they put in place and then comes the minister contradicting all of this together so they use they used it and they used the the fear uh, among people um, of catching the virus in so uh, uh, successful way that actually all the protest movement dispersed and became inactive. So yes, that was a major moment, unfortunately, that affected the protest movement. Um, now the minister dancing, he suddenly moved from being a, um, a public health uh, leader into being a Baalbaki potential candidate to the next parliamentary elections. And you have to play the game of dancing and dubki and uh, enjoying being carried on, on the shoulders of his fans. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the, to, 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 to give credit, uh, the credit goes to the Ministry of Health, to its technical staff, to the doctors and yeah. professionals. Right, and some of them are my colleagues, and others are my students who um, who did this great job in at, at least at the beginning and until now, and yes. being able to uh, limit the spread of uh, the virus and the pandemic or the epidemic, uh, they did a great job. And uh, the hospital, the public hospital, and its leadership and the way it's been managed contributed significantly also to providing great care. It's not the politician, it's not the minister, and we need to make and always make this distinction between the public sector and whatever remains of it yeah. and the politicians and those controlling Completely. the regime. Um, yeah. the, 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 and, 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 and suddenly, you know, Lebanese discovered that we have a general hospital in Beirut and other hospitals that are, they were left in Akkar or in Bika or in Nabati yeah. or in Kisarwain, suddenly we discovered them and said we have public hospitals in this country. Yes, we have, but it was totally left because those in power, those in the, the regime, those eight chiefs, the octopus itself, wanted it to be this way because they don't want to have decent uh, public services that are 
entitled to us, regardless of their contribution, regardless of their intervention, or regardless of their uh, patronage. Uh, this is my right to go uh, to this public hospital, or to the public school, or to the Venice University, but sadly, they were attempting to kill them. But in health in particular, because the technical know-how is high in Lebanon, because those people who were running the public health ministry or the different departments or hospitals, um, many of them are well-trained, they did a good job. That's about it. It has nothing Completely. to do with, yeah. with the government or, I mean, yeah. um, maybe they will not like this, but anyway, that's, that's, their, that's, that's their own uh, feeling of not liking it. But it's actually those technical doctors yes. and technical staff and professionals who managed to do a good job in Lebanon. It's actually a very good reminder that there are very well-intentioned people in the Lebanese state. They may not be able to express themselves the way they'd like. They may not even be able to hold certain people to account even within their ministries, but it doesn't matter. They're, they're trying. And at times, this kind of, uh, this true, I think it's patriotism, this belief in, in serving and, and all that, it, it shows. And COVID-19 is one example. And yeah. I, I want to just echo something you said of the dance and, and all that. I think there's something very good that happened is that politicians are not celebrities anymore in Lebanon. They're not given the limelight the way they used to. They're not mm. treated like they deserve a red carpet uh, fashion TV-like uh, system. Instead, they're, they're a bit afraid, a bit, a bit. They may not have lost authority per se. They may mm. be still entrenched. They may be mm. betting on years to come of this situation persisting. But the fact is the population is trying at least, trying mm. in, in many ways to hold the octopus to account. And mm. I think that's, that's really, I mean, the grassroots analogy, I, I hope I live long enough to see something new. I, it would be lovely to live long enough to see the page turned in Lebanon. Uh, I'd like to live in that Lebanon. <laughs> <laughs> but as you said, it might, it might take time and uh, we're in a very difficult stage. But you know what? Octopuses taste good. So maybe it's time we start eating the octopus. I, I have, I mean, it's delicious cuisine. It's a bit expensive, but it tastes good. It tastes good. <laughs> I like this. I think, I think we have a big octopus to, to kill in Lebanon. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a very morbid analogy where you start having yeah. to chew on the system. But I mean, yeah. it's a good analogy. I'm glad you brought it up. And Nasser, I took too much of your time. I hope Pleasure. we can keep this conversation going. And, and maybe next time we speak, there'll be some room for hope in certain sectors. I, I, I'm really happy to say a few, thing, a few things. I got to know you as the interim director of IFI. I'm doing this episode. Uh, I think it's two months before... Uh, is it uh, in September that Joseph Bahut takes over? Okay, so I I feel honored to have met you in, in your capacity at IFI, and I hope we can keep doing this in whatever capacity you're in later, and I'm glad you're staying at AUB. I, I always consider AUB home as well, and I, I look forward to seeing you there sometime soon. We'll see you soon, inshallah, Roy. And good good headset. I'm changing good, mine. Good. I, I'll get something. Yeah. <laughs> All we'll, right. we'll, get, we'll get you one from... Uh... Any market that that has it in Beirut, you oh, never know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you get me one, I'll I'll wear it. <laughs> yeah. No, sir. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for listening. 
and a friendly reminder to help support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box below. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.